there's many things we can gather and glean as we study these um, verses we've had read to us today. Um, we'll, we'll cover some of them, but first let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality of what Jesus was able to say. And the claims that he were making were valid. Because, Lord Jesus, we know that you are God and also God's son. And were sent to do such a wonderful job for a very difficult, awful purpose. And so we thank you now as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. A little bit of context to what's just happened prior to what we're reading about. Been many miracles had been performed by Jesus at this point in time. Just before this, in the same chapter, we read about there'd been 5,000 people fed at one time. That is listed as the 19th miracle that Jesus did. I had no idea there was that many that had come before, so some of what Jesus was saying, depending on who he was talking to and where he was, there'd been a little bit of evidence that had been put before the people by this time for there to have been so many miracles performed. And those miracles had shown in many different ways against very different challenges and had proved his compassion, his superiority over many different things, as well as his deity as well. See, Jesus made seven very profound I am statements, and today we're going to look at this one about the bread of life. Also, there was, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I'm the way, the truth and the life, and I am the true vine. So Jesus identified himself very clearly as being the great I am. All sorts of people can make all sorts of claims. And you don't often have too much idea until whether time's passed a little bit, whether they're just pumping up their own tyres or whether they're full of themselves or whether they actually have any idea what they're talking about. You see, Jesus claimed God was his father. And all the people are sitting there going, we know your parents. If Moses gave the people manna every day, like they tried to tell Jesus, well, why couldn't Moses get them something else to eat when they were sick of manna? Manna was considered to be complete food, nourishing and nutritional. Man, if they only had people who could sell that stuff these days, wouldn't they make a fortune? This is the complete food. You can eat this and you won't need to get anything else. One trip to the grocery shop and you get the same thing every week and it's all good. Jesus kept trying to shift their attention away from their bellies to the kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking about life, eternal things, including the last day. How could he bring life? How could he raise them up? He kept telling them where he came from, and it wasn't Nazareth that he was talking about, although that was his earthly home. I don't know if you realise, and I had realised and forgotten, and, you know, I'm starting to get to the age where you forget things, apparently. Bethlehem is where David was crowned king of Israel and is referred to in the New Testament as the city of David. Bethlehem is a combination of two Hebrew words. Beth means the house of, and the Hebrew word lehem means of bread. 
the house of bread, was the earthly birthplace of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. I just think that's particularly fascinating given some of the statements that Jesus said later on, that the bread of life was born in his earthly body in the house of bread. We go back into our reading in starting in verse 30. It said in there, What sign will you perform that we may see it and believe? Really? Do we really think they had any intention of believing? Maybe they did. But it also seemed a little bit more like sometimes we want to just see what you can do but we have no intention of believing in you or what you have to say or what you have to do. What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread of heaven, but my father gives you the true bread of heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. You know, sometimes people ask for things and they don't quite understand what they're asking for. Happens a little bit with our kids from time to time. Happens with grown-ups too. If only I could just have patience, some of us say. You go, you don't really want to say that. Because perseverance and tribulation works patience. So when you ask... Oh, I'd really love to get some more patience. I don't know if you really mean I'd like a whole lot more trouble. The concept of asking what we want from God and saying, I would like to have this, but are we really asking for it for God's good or for our good? That's really important when we think about that. Are we wanting something for us or are we wanting something that is going to benefit God as opposed to just benefit us? Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and you don't believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, Jesus said, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven. You see, Jesus presumed to speak for God, and he also presumed to speak as God. That's a pretty big claim to be making, isn't it? It's not just to be saying, um, well, I've, I've come from Brisbane for the day, or I've come from here, or I've come from there, or I've got a message to bring from an important dignitary. He's saying, I have come down from heaven. He's saying... I will be able to raise it up at the last day. And you go, who can do that? Who can possibly raise up something or someone at the last day? And while we're talking today about the bread of life, he's very clearly speaking about here himself as being the resurrection and the life. Because who can raise somebody up? Who can give life? Who can have the power to make these kind of decisions? And who can have the power to actually see these things through? This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him 
may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he then says, I've come from heaven? I get very fascinated by the number of times that the Bible makes it clear to us, after the event, obviously, that the people had their thoughts being read and they didn't like it. You know, if somebody knew the thoughts that were running around inside of their heads, sometimes they'd be frightened. Sometimes they'd just be thinking, there's not much going on. And sometimes they'd just go, they shouldn't really be thinking those kind of thoughts. It happens to all of us, doesn't it? But when Jesus said to them, don't murmur among yourselves, it must have really... And this happens multiple times when it says in different places we read in the New Testament and Jesus understood their hearts or he knew their thoughts and then he called out some of those things. You know, I have in my mind a a little bit of a a thing with regard to this that just says that I would assume that the colour of their faces started to change from pale to purple as Jesus started to read their thoughts and to tell them to stop murmuring among themselves and that he understood exactly what they were thinking. You know, it is important what we think, not just about God. It's important about what we think about, isn't it? It's important what we spend our time thinking on because it's important what we believe because at some point in time what we believe will probably determine how we act as well. So when they say, oh, give us another sign and we'll believe, well, it was very evident as the, as the passage goes on that they had no intention of actually believing. They only intended to hear and to listen and if they could, to ridicule to some point in time. Says no one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. You see, Jesus is saying that ultimately he can satisfy our deepest needs and our longings. He can make us feel full and overflowing with blessing. See, the son of God was standing before them in perfect manhood and wasn't recognised and let's not think that we might have recognised him either if we were there, because we don't go straight to the top of the class in this regard either. But if they couldn't recognise the Son of God in perfect manhood, it was going to be pretty doubtful that any other sign he was going to do was going to convince them either. A little bit about bread. We've probably all eaten some this week, or a version of some, depending on what our dietary intake is like. You see, bread is considered a staple-type food, a basic dietary item. A person can survive a long time on only bread and water. It's been tried in many cases where people weren't nice to each other, that someone was going to be living on bread and water. Bread is such a basic food item that it becomes synonymous for food in general. You see, we use the phrase, 
that someone's breaking bread together. Doesn't mean the only thing they're eating is bread, does it? We understand that. It's the indicating the sharing of a meal with somebody. And bread also plays an integral part in the Jewish Passover meal. The Jews would eat unleavened bread during the Passover feast and then for seven days following as a celebration of the exodus from Egypt. And when the Jews were wandering in the desert for 40 years, God rained down bread from heaven in Exodus chapter 16. You see, Jesus saying here, and he says it more than once, equating himself with bread, Jesus is saying that he is essential for life. So there's one thing about saying, yes, they've had their um, their stomachs filled by the, the bread and the fishes that they've had before, but Jesus is turning their attention to something else to say that he is essential for life. Secondly, Jesus is saying the life referred to is not physical life, but eternal life. He keeps on talking about different things here, and just as with the Messiah, with the bread he miraculously created the day before, the physical bread that perishes, he is spiritual bread that brings eternal life. Also, probably even more importantly, Jesus keeps on making other claims over and over about his deity or him being God. John MacArthur says, over and over and over, Jesus speaks of his pre-existence. See, John begins in his gospel, in the beginning was the word, word was with God and the word was God. The word meaning Christ. Therefore, and I'll read some of this part secondly again. Christ was there, pre-existent with God. He was co-existent with God. And he was self-existent with God eternally. You can't ever reduce Jesus to just being a created being. Yes, his body was prepared for him by God. But as a person, he's the eternal son of God. See, he always was in the presence of God. And he is God of very God. So, just reinforcing that, Christ was there, pre-existent with God. He coexisted with God. And he existed as an individual self with God as well. He's not a created being. Some other thoughts with regards to bread. The Bridges for Peace Israel teaching letter uh, makes some very interesting comments as as follows, and there's a, a little bit of a quote here that goes for a little while. They have an article called In the Tabernacle and in the Temple. It says, The ten loaves of showbread were always there and replenished once a week. They indicated the presence of the Lord, the bread of life, among the people. In ancient days... For two enemies to be reconciled, they would make a covenant with salt. One enemy would put salt on his knife, the other would part the salt on the knife, and then they would each eat a little bit of salt from either side of the knife. I didn't know that. There's a lot of things I don't know. This custom developed into a ceremony of putting the salt on bread and then eating the bread with your enemy. A couple of very famous leaders, Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat from Israel and um, Egypt as the leaders of their country, did this upon meeting for the very first time, having the putting the salt on the bread and then eating it. 
Ultimately, the act of just breaking bread together and eating a meal was symbol of reconciliation and a fellowship. In ancient meals, in ancient Israel, sorry, meals were much more than just occasions for satisfying hunger. It was understood that persons who ate and drank together were bound to one another by friendship and a mutual obligation. The table in the, the tabernacle and the temple was seen as a symbol of the altar and the bread as a symbol of the showbread of presence where God brings peace and reconciliation as the bread of life. Further to that, the bread symbolised the mystery of life. Instead of relying upon the chance, and I'm not sure when this actually started to occur, but it was it's fascinating to read, relying upon the chance of finding food every annual season, man learned to save his grain, save the seeds, plant it and cultivate crops from one season to the next. If you look at the little seed, you don't see much there, do you? If you're opening the seed up, you won't necessarily see a lot either, depending on what the seed is for. Some seeds are so small you can't open them up and see what's inside. How is it possible that life can be in that tiny little dry seed? If you grind it, you might get flour or meal. If you cut it open, you mightn't see a plant. Yet if you plant it and water it, it will regularly grow. The next part I found utterly amazing that Israeli agronomists many, many years ago got from the British Museum some kernels of wheat that were found in a pyramid in Egypt. They planted them and they grew. Hundreds, if not more than a thousand years after the time, they did that. So when we understand a little bit about who God is, we understand that there's a cycle of life. We understand that there is a cycle of plant life and the seed and the germination because God's created it to be that way. When Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus keeps on saying, God is his father. He wasn't disrespecting Joseph by doing such a thing or by saying such a thing. Jesus keeps speaking of his own deity and his own eternality. It's like the people had a concept that he was only Joseph and Mary's son. And, you know, we can think about that how we like. It was more than what they understood. You know, there's lots of things that we don't necessarily understand. And you talk to someone and they go, do you understand? You go, yeah, I understand. You go, uh, this much, that much, uh, the whole lot, depending. We can say, I understand. If you're um, trying to, and I'm sure those who've had had children or got children around them are used to having that conversation with a child being some matters being resolved shall we say that aren't that pleasant do you understand me Ruth probably has that conversations with children at school do you understand me 
that concept of understanding is a whole different level, isn't it? There's, we understand a point. We understand a lot. We understand a little. The Jews quarrelled among themselves, saying, how can he give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus is saying, him being the, him being the I am, the giver of life, I am the resurrection and I will raise you up at the last day. The audience knew very well that some of these claims Jesus was making, no one could possibly do this but God. Hence the confusion. How could you be saying that you could do this when we don't believe you're God and only God can do that? For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Be a lot of head scratching going on in the synagogue that day, I would imagine. A lot of muttering and a murmuring and a lot of unhappy people. How could he be saying these things? And how can he be saying, you're going to eat my my body and you're going to be drinking my blood that's a concept that's very very hard to get your head around isn't it you see in Colossians chapter 1 in verses 15 to 19 it says he Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Might like to read that again later on today, but there's an enormous amount of truth unfolded in those four verses in Colossians chapter 1. See, when Jesus was saying, to the people here, what Paul has then been saying to the Colossian people, that Jesus was firstborn over all creation. He created all things in heaven and on earth. He's before all things and in him all things consist. He's the firstborn from the dead. So the firstborn from the dead also would be able to say that I will raise you up at the last day. You see, 
God who's pre-existent and outside of time devised a plan where Jesus, co-equal with God and pre-existent with God, would in due course, as Galatians chapter 4 tells us, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. It's very clear that God had sent forth his son and his son was Jesus. Now, there's an awful lot about all of this that that we don't quite understand and quite comprehend, isn't there? Because our heads aren't big enough to fill that much information in. Our heads would explode long before we could manage to absorb the amount of truth and the amount of knowledge that God has and the amount of knowledge that we could even try and understand about God because that's what eternity's for. You're not meant to know it all now. You've got later on with perfect knowledge and forever to know the rest. When Jesus said he was I am, He was making it clear he was not just another person, but speaking with authority. You know, Jesus was telling them that he was the bread of life. He was the one who could give them eternal food. He was the one who could give everlasting life. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it tells us that for unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That was a lot of hundred years before Jesus was born. It was foretold that a child would be born. Well, that's no big deal that a, a child gets born. It happens all the time, and that's wonderful. But this wasn't just a child, but the child who would be mighty God and everlasting Father. So when when a child normally is born, obviously a child grows up and a child does the kind of things that they do to develop to become an adult one day. How can a child be mighty God? How can a child be everlasting father? Child's dependent upon its mother and its father, but this child, being Jesus, was everlasting father and mighty God. Jesus kept making it clear that he has a very big role in raising up people in the last day. See, God fed the people of Israel manna. It wasn't Moses that fed it to them. Moses told them, and they were told as to how to go and pick it up and what days to collect it and everything else, and they got a batch of instructions from Moses, but Moses didn't give it to them. And as we start to wrap up, Jesus kept telling them over and over again that he came down from heaven. And they go, but we know you grew up in Nazareth and we know who you are. But they didn't know who he really was. That's the difference. Jesus kept making claims of his own divine nature. You see, Jesus knew their thoughts. He wasn't only a mind reader. 
And he's not only a mind reader now either. Jesus knows our thoughts. It's really important that our thoughts are aligned with his thoughts. The Bible makes it clear that naturally his thoughts are not our thoughts. We're told that very clearly in God's word. So we need God's help to think the right thoughts. That's part of why we have the life of Christ given to us to live out the Christian life. Jesus gives eternal life because he is the bread of life. Jesus has many, many names in the Bible. But remember when it was foretold what his name would be? His name would be called Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. Jesus is God, and the son of God's earthly birthplace was the house of bread. So the house of bread was the earthly birthplace of Jesus Christ the bread of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that we've been able to study some of today. We acknowledge we need your help to understand your word by your spirit. We thank you that your Holy Spirit does interpret the truth to us. Not any truth, but your truth. We thank you for the claims that you made, Lord Jesus, that is tr- that are true, that you are the bread of life. You are the resurrection and the life. And we thank you for being able to have your word in a language we can read and read at any time. So, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study your word now. And, Lord, we do ask that you would help us to ponder the truth of that and to revel in the blessing we have of being a child of God and to know that we have a certain future because you have given us everlasting life in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.